What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? Just another day in paradise. Just living the dream. Living the dream. Yes, indeed. I was living the dream this afternoon. Went out and checked out some major uh, minor league baseball. Excuse me. Our, our local minor league short season A-ball team is uh, in first place in their division with a couple weeks left in the regular season. So we were really excited to go down to the tiny little ballpark and check out some minor league baseball action, throw back some light beer, and uh, spend some time with 800 of our closest friends. Oh, light beer and, and a winning professional sports team. That's nice. Yeah, except that uh, they lost today, but that's okay. They, they still maintain a two-game lead in their division with a couple of weeks left. So I haven't done the math to figure out what their magic number is, but it's a good situation. It's a good situation. Love to check out a little bit of minor league baseball on a Sunday because this is one of only a couple more weeks left here where I'm going to spend time on a Sunday afternoon doing anything other than watching football. And it's almost time. It's almost time for the regular season to begin. But the regular season hasn't just begun a few yet. weeks. Yeah, I know. It's just a couple of weeks away. Um, we still got a little bit of preseason to go, including uh, the second week of preseason that just, well, is just behind us now as the Dolphins traveled to Carolina for their second preseason game. And, uh, you know, there was there was a lot to learn from this game. It was a, not that the final score means anything, but the Dolphins lost 20-27 to to the Carolina Panthers. Or 27-20. to God, I did that thing that I hate. When somebody tells you the score and they give you the lower score first instead of the higher score, I hate that. I don't know why I did it, but I did. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so not that the score means anything. The Dolphins lost twenty-seven to twenty. Um, let's talk about the things that we that you know our, our quick takeaways from from this game. As we do have a segment that uh, it might be the first of many, might be the only time it ever happens. We'll see how it goes. But we've got a, a special guest uh, joining us on the show this week. Um, but actually, before we jump into our thoughts about this game, I want to take a moment to remind you that you should be following the show. On Twitter, at Same Old Dolphins. You should be following me at Amplified to Rock and make sure you're following the brain as well at Aaron the Brain. I believe he tweeted three times this week, so he's he's really starting to up the ante here. And don't forget that you should download, rate, and review to the Same Old Dolphins show on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it if you just take that time, give us a five-star review, a five-star rating, give us a nice review, write a, write a few things, help spread the word of this show to other Dolphin fans. You can also follow us and comment on the show on SoundCloud as well. And don't forget our brand new Facebook page, facebook.com slash same old dolphins. And you can join our conversation over there as well as leave comments and questions that you would like to have read on the air. We will make sure that happens. Brain, the dolphins traveled to Carolina. They fell 27 to 20. What were some of the things that worried you in this game? What were some of the sort of negative takeaways that you had from this game? Uh, the number one thing, there's no doubt, is that defense and especially the run defense. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey breaks off a 70-yard touchdown run. And how did he do it? Well, they got great push up the middle, right up the gut. 
the linebackers, both of them took the wrong lanes and Christian McCaffrey outran the rest of the defense to pay dirt. Uh, it's just, you have question marks about the interior of that defensive line with the departure of Ndamukong and Sue. You have question marks about the linebackers because they're young and because they have never played it down in the NFL. And there it was on full display, the breakdown. And I get it. It's one play and it's a preseason game. But that's how these things happen. You could have, you could play well the vast majority of the time. But if you're going to have a breakdown like that, that leads to a 70-yard touchdown, that's the difference between winning and losing football games. And that's what concerns me about what the Dolphins have right now at those positions, the interior of the defensive line and at the linebacker position. Because... They're going to have some breakdowns because, frankly, they just don't have proven quality players at those positions. And if a breakdown, you know, it's one thing when you have a breakdown and it turns into a 20-yard play. It's a different thing when you have a breakdown and it turns into a 70-yard play. It's a, it's a huge problem. Yeah, certainly uh, worrying performance from the linebacker core and, of course, the interior defensive line. Also looking questionable. Uh, they, they played this game without uh, Jordan Phillips, didn't suit up for this game. Um, and William Hayes is still out as well um, on the defensive line. Th- missing those two guys didn't didn't help anything. Uh, but yeah, those were areas of concerns coming in. We had concerns about the linebacking core. We had concerns about that defensive line. And both of them were exposed. Um, what else worried you? In this game, Brian. Um, offensively, I I get that Kenny Stills didn't play, and he's kind of your your deep threat. And now you're without Devonte Parker, and even though he's not necessarily a quote unquote deep threat, he's cut when you when you take away Stills and Parker, those are really your two guys that you're counting on on being your downfield threats uh, in the receiving core. So what you ended up seeing was a lot of dink and dunk from from the offense and the offense moved and they, and they looked sharp Tannehill looked sharp they they had he had rhythm uh they were he was getting the ball out quick uh he was finding guys on the short and intermediate routes but when they had a negative play and they got put in positions where you needed something a little bit bigger there just was nothing in the cards and it just looked they looked limited and granted you know, part of that is by, you know, by design. They're not going out there and trying to show everything. And you heard as much from Adam Gase, uh, you know, in the in the press conferences, basically confirming, look, they're they're trying to keep it very vanilla. They're not trying to show everything. They're keeping everything very close to the vest. And they're just trying to work on some very specific things. And so I get it. But it's concerning because, look, we've seen this from Tannehill and this offense in the past, which is they can move the ball down the field, but, you know, and they can they can move the chains and they can get inside field goal range. But when they get into the red zone, can they find pay dirt? Can they get into the end zone? And thus far in the preseason, 
The first team offense has done a nice job of getting into field goal range and a very poor job of getting into the end zone. Yeah, that's certainly been an issue, and that's sort of the thing where it really hurts that Devontae Parker is not turning into that big play receiver that you really wanted him to be. Again, he didn't play in this game. He's dealing with an injury, uh, as is Kenny Stills. So uh, they really didn't have those deep options to go downfield. Um, and, I, it, you know, but it's fine. It's a preseason game. Um, but it was. it is still a little worrying that this offense has trouble digging itself out of holes. Um, I'll add a couple of things here. I thought the... That, that other cornerback position, uh, Cordrea Tankersley, is just getting torched in this game. So we're still having problems. Whoever's going to play opposite Xavier Howard, um, it, it's a big question mark. And I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about what the Dolphins are going to do over there. So that remains an issue. Um, and the other thing was that this offensive line that looked really good um, in the limited action that they saw, at least the, the ones in the game against Tampa Bay, Looked like they took a little bit of a step backward this week. Um, there were some penalties and some some small issues that you were um, a little bit worried about. Uh, some penalties, some holding penalties, guys getting beat um, on the offensive line. Where it, you you know it looked a little bit shaky. I mean, there were moments where that offensive line looked really good in pass protection. It did not look particularly good in run blocking uh, against Carolina. So a little bit. A little bit concerned about the offensive line in that other cornerback position. Um, anything else, really, that we need to address as far as negatives from this before we move on to the stuff that we liked in this game? I would just say, I mean, you you briefly mentioned it when you were talking about the offensive line, but penalties remain an issue. And considering that that has been the number one concern and the number one theme from Adam Gase in just about every press conference since they've had their their scrimmage, uh, it remains a concern, and that is as as big a concern as any. Yeah, and so we'll we're going to continue to keep an eye on that throughout this preseason and into the regular season. Hopefully, uh, the Dolphins are able to get that straightened out. Let's talk about the positives from this game against Carolina. I think. Um, I think obviously the biggest takeaway has to be that we got out of this game healthy. I mean, when you look around the NFL, it, like this year, it doesn't seem to be a year where you're losing, seeing a lot of teams losing big name players to injury in the preseason. But either way, you've got to be happy when you come out of a preseason game. And there are really no significant injuries this week to, uh, to talk about. And I think that's a really positive thing going forward. Other positives, I thought Ryan Tannehill looked really good. I, I really liked the up-tempo, no-huddle offense that this team is going with. I really like, listen, they're going to dink and dunk teams to death, and I kind of like that approach. And what we're going to see, and I, I have a feeling we're going to see it at some point because obviously they're being pretty conservative with the play calling. I think a lot of that dink and dunk stuff is going to get opened up with some deep shots down the field at some point, and that's where we, we're going to really see what Tannehill is made of but right now he is running this offense and he is looking good moving the ball downfield but the problem is as you say right now or at least in this game in week two of the preseason this team does not have the firepower on offense to be able to dig itself out of a hole when you when it puts itself in a bad situation with a holding penalty or allowing a sack or something like that so uh but i have to say i liked the up-tempo offense and i liked the way ryan Tannehill looked what else did you like in this game brain i liked 
Robert Quinn. Uh, yeah, Robert buddy, Quinn Robert Quinn looked a, good. It was a questionable trade. Well, we traded for Robert Quinn because he was a guy that really flashed right out of college when he came out of North Carolina and went to the Rams. And in his first couple of seasons was one of the most prolific pass rushers in the league. And over the last two years, uh, his production has declined. And it's concerning because it's not like he's old. It just may- maybe, you know, you're thinking, well, they got a book on him. But when you, when you really delve into the situation there in both St. Louis and then when they moved, when the Rams moved to L.A., they kind of moved his position they kind of changed his position. He went from being a 4-3 defensive end to kind of a 3-4 outside linebacker and went from playing with his hand in the dirt to now standing up. And for a lot of guys, they make that transition almost seamlessly. And Robert Quinn just wasn't one of those guys. And his production has declined, and it led you to believe, well, maybe this was just a guy who was just a flash in the pan. And that might still be the case because, again, you can't overreact to to the good. You can't overreact to the bad in the, in the preseason. But I will say he looked damn good. He looked as athletic, as spry as ever, as agile as ever. Uh, the bend on his body – You get him on the opposite end of Cam Wake, and if Robert Quinn, if what we're seeing from Robert Quinn is the truth, then the Dolphins could have an electric pass rush this season, which, look, if the interior of the D-line is going to struggle, if you're going to have a question at one of your cornerback spots, having an elite pass rush can cover up a lot of those question marks. And that, look, I mean... Robert Quinn looked damn good. He looked the part. And if he's good and Cam Wake is healthy and still the Cam Wake that we believe him to be, then things are looking up for the Dolphins at least at one position, and that being defensive end. Yeah, uh, I I would agree with that. Um, I also want to go ahead, when we're talking about positives, I want to mention Xavier Howard continuing to be Great player made a made, had an interception in this game, picking off Cam Newton, which is good to see. I thought he looked good. I also have to say, Maurice Smith. Um, he, I don't know if Maurice Smith is going to have a spot on this team because of sort of the depth at safety that the Dolphins have. But if he continues to play like this, like at least like he played in this game. He may just, he may very well make this team. And if he doesn't make the team, he might be the kind of guy that the Dolphins might be able to send somewhere in exchange for help in another area. So uh, a quick shout out for Maurice Smith. I thought I thought he had a, a very good game against Carolina. Um, I've got sort of one more thing that I want to talk about as far as positives that really stood out for me in this game. But Brian, do you have anything else that you want to talk about first? Um, no, I think I'm well, Kenyon Drake looked good. Yeah. Kenyon Drake continues to look good. I, and, oh, and, 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 uh, you know, the granted there, it may be a limited receiving core, but for what they do and what they were brought in to do, I think Amandola and Albert Wilson continue to look the part 
as guys that can continuously get open and be sure-handed in the short to intermediate game, which if that's what we're trying to do, those guys, if, if they're coming in to basically fill the Jarvis Landry role, they've looked very good at it the first two weeks of the preseason. And so I think that that's definitely a positive. Yeah, the uh, I guess the only other thing that I really want to say um, about this game is that, and it's sort of a positive mixed with a negative, um, the backup quarterback play for this Miami Dolphins team in the preseason has been pretty atrocious. Uh, I think David Fales completed maybe one pass, and Brock Osweiler did not look particularly good at all. I, I just feel like these are the two guys that are supposed to be duking it out to decide who's going to be the backup quarterback for this Miami Dolphins team, and neither of them have looked particularly strong and really looked like they wanted to just claim that position. And that brings me to my positive, which is that Bryce Petty has looked like he's wanted that. And granted, he has played in very limited action against practice squad guys, but he's also been playing with practice squad guys. And he led the Dolphins down the field for a touchdown in his only drive. He he ran the ball in. He looked sharp. Um, let me see if I can pull up his numbers here. In his one drive, he was 5 of 6 for 58 yards, and he ran in a touchdown. I really liked the way that Bryce Petty looked in this game. I liked the way he looked against Tampa Bay. And going forward in this preseason, I would really like to see him get the majority of the snaps with the second team uh, in this game against Baltimore next week. Yeah, uh, I I have to concur. Bryce Petty looks like the second best quarterback on the roster, which is to say we really need Ryan Tannehill to stay healthy this year. Yeah, I don't suppose that's the situation you want to find yourself in where Bryce Petty is becoming your starter, but I just Bryce Petty has looked considerably better than David Fales or Brock Osweiler in the limited action that he has had so far. Um Let's see, any other last thoughts that you can think of here before we before we wrap up this sec- segment and go to our very special guest? No, I think I think we touched on the major positives and negatives. We'll probably get into it a little bit with our guest and uh let, let's just move on. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and move on. I will say just to sort of wrap to put a bow on this segment. There are there are things that are good and there are things that are bad, but I mean, right now, sort of the overall takeaway is I, I don't want to jump to conclusions. And plenty, there were plenty of people on Dolphins Twitter jumping to conclusions about this team already. Um, but I think there are definitely some worrying signs. You're starting to think, is this team going to be able to put it all together here? But it's early. It's early. I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to jump to any conclusions. If we want to talk about jumping to conclusions, that's exactly what we're going to do with our very special guest, who will be joining us right after this really fancy sound effect. All right, waiting the snap. It's Peterson. Here it is. Sets it down. Kick is up. It's good, and the Dolphins win the ball game. Yes, the Dolphins sir. win. 16 of 14. All right. Holy Toledo. All right, all right. All Dolphins right. Game, 16 of 14. The Dolphins come into Texas Stadium 
and kicks some cowboy butt. I love it. And now, for the first time ever on the same old Dolphin Show, we are pleased to introduce a new segment, a new segment that may be weekly, it may be bi-weekly, it may be semi-weekly. We're not, we're not really sure yet, but uh, we decided that you know, with with the brain and I being on the on the show, we're we're very positive people, or we tend to try to be level headed and try to keep a positive outlook as much as possible. We wanted to give somebody an opportunity to voice sort of the opposite opinion. And and quite frankly, if you were anywhere near Twitter during preseason week two, there were a lot of people on the Twitter machine that were just ready to ready to blow the whole thing up already two weeks into the preseason it was it was a pretty toxic place on friday evening but we wanted to we wanted to give voice to somebody on the program and let them have an opportunity to vent their frustrations with the miami dolphins here on the same old dolphin show so we are pleased to introduce for the first time maybe for the last time We'll see how it goes, but we are very excited to welcome onto the show Angry Al from Port St. Lucie. Al, how are you? Oh, I'm great today, guys. How are you doing? Uh, I, I am well. Brain, are you well? I'm pretty well. You, you sound surprisingly chipper, Al. Well, it's, I'm always glad to be on my favorite podcast when I ride in on, you know, on the mornings, every, generally every Monday, Tuesday, or after Sundays, you know. I like to listen to the podcast. Now I'm actually going to be on it, listening to myself. It can be a, it can be a terribly frightening thing to hear one's own voice. So I wish you luck as you listen back to this. Um, but but we're we're not here on the we're not having you here on the show to to talk about listening to the sound of your own voice. We want to hear your opinion on this Miami Dolphins football team after two weeks of the preseason. So if you would, Angry Al from Port St. Lucie, tell us. Tell us what your feelings are about this Miami Dolphins team. Well, I think that based on everything I've seen in the preseason and based on everything that I've seen, uh, you know, in the offseason as well, that this team looks like they're headed for four or five wins and a top five draft pick. Now, why I say that is because, I mean, I, they haven't looked good on offense, particularly. I mean, I know that people are very excited that Tannehill had a high completion percentage in the last game, but I mean, I think somebody—it wasn't me, but somebody else pointed out—it was only like 5.6 yards per attempt. And anytime we had a negative play, a penalty, or we lose yardage on something, we can't get out of it. And it just looks kind of like we've looked for years with Tannehill as the quarterback. Is that he's. He's all right, but he's just not good enough. He's not going to ever be good enough to carry us anywhere. And, well, right now he's the one of the – he's, frankly, not one of the biggest question marks on the team, which I think speaks volumes to where this team is. This is a four- or five-win team, and they're heading for a top-five pick. Now, you say he's he's not one of the biggest question marks of the team, and that doesn't bode well because you're not sold on him. But before we get to those other question marks – do you think that in any way, shape, or form, he should get any kind of pass because of the fact that, especially in this last preseason game, they were without Devonte Parker, without Kenny Stills? Um, you know, Frank Gorin. If I can, Caleb if Bellage, I can just butt in for a I, minute, if I can butt in for a minute, they've basically been without Devonte Parker for the entire history of the organization. Okay, fair enough. But they were without the 
at least Kenny Stills, who is projected to be their number one receiver, and they did little to no game planning, do you think that Tannehill deserves any kind of pass in evaluating him in what is essentially, you know, a formal it's a it's essentially a scrimmage. Well, uh, did you say Kenny Stills was our best uh, receiver? Now he's our number one receiver. Uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Well, that says enough. There's a three win <laughs> team if that's the case. It's not anything against him. He's okay, but that's no. But as far as Tannehill goes, I mean, I guess he can get some kind of a pass, but I mean, w- well, what's he done in his career that he's been here? He's had good stretches of games. Uh, like at the, uh, I think it was two years ago when he had the nice stretch of games and we made the playoffs and before he got hurt, I don't give him a pass because he hasn't done anything with, you know, what he's had. I mean, he, he had, he, I'm not sure if he had Brandon Marshall, but I mean, we, we had at one point, yeah, Jarvis Landry was one of the best receivers in the league and, you know, we didn't go anywhere with it. I don't give him a pass because what, what year is he on year seven, year eight now? And what we've seen is that he can be good for a stretch. And then we can make the playoffs, maybe, as a 10-16. and 16, And then we can get destroyed in the first round. But, Al, don't you think that jumping to this kind of conclusion about Ryan Tannehill two weeks into a preseason where they've very clearly made an effort to not show too much of their hand offensively, they've, they've sort of limited the role of Mike Gesicki in this offense thus far and really tried to focus on on putting him in and, and having him play a blocking role as opposed to letting him really run routes and really kind of let loose. They've been very, very conservative with their offense. It seems to me that in the first couple of weeks here, they've really been looking to sort of just establish the fact that Tannehill is back. They don't want to take too many risks. They don't want to do anything crazy. We haven't really seen him move around a whole lot. They're just trying to keep it simple. And you know, quite frankly, that's okay two weeks into the preseason. I think, don't you think it's a little bit too early to say, well, look at this. There's there's nothing we can do here. He's not going to be Tom Brady. He's not going to be Drew Brees. It's, it's kind of early to jump to that conclusion, don't you think? Well, I think we've had seven years of him now, I believe. Seven seasons, seven seasons, and I know he was hurt for one, but I think that We've seen in seven season what he is. But wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. But you just said, you just said he had this really nice stretch two seasons ago before he got hurt. That was the last time we saw him in action, in actual NFL game action. And that was the best stretch of his career. So don't you think that he should have the opportunity in the regular season to to have the opportunity to show whether that seven game stretch was a fluke? Before you say, that's it? Well, if you look at that seven-game stretch or whatever that was, do you remember why we were winning those games, though? What was the best actual part of our offense in those games? We were uh, able it, to run the, the ball. Running game. Game. Yeah, we yeah. were able to run the ball yeah. with Ajayi, yep. And when Ajayi was running for 200 yards in games, we could we, we, Tannehill could be fine because he wasn't the focal point of the offense. And, and right now, that, I mean, and I right now... I'm sorry, right now we've got Kenyon Drake, who is a game-changing performer. We've got, (laughs) 
I, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I think he's a game changing performer based on <laughs> what mean, I've you're seen. Giving a lot of the benefit. Yeah, of I the mean doubt. that's a, it's kind of a stretch. You're Listen, going on. Like I a, believe Kenyon Drake. Game, uh, you know, like a like a what a five or six game Listen, sample where I he believe, was where he was good. I believe that Kenyon Drake can be a game changing performer for this Miami Dolphins team, and so you take him and you add him in with Frank Gore and Kalen Balage. You've got an opportunity to develop something of a, and, and possibly Sonoris Perry, although he didn't look quite so good in this last game, but you've got an opportunity, at least with Balaj, Gore, and Drake, to have a pretty solid running attack. Granted, thus far in the preseason, the offensive line hasn't looked great in run protection, but it's the preseason. Why are we jumping to conclusions and saying that, I don't understand why we're having this conversation with, with that, not even before week three of the preseason, which is when you really start to see something approaching actual NFL game action. Okay. Okay. So before we, because I, I think it's obvious, look, uh, you know, Al is saying that, uh, you know, Tannehill is not, is essentially, he's not a franchise quarterback. That That's your point now, right? Yes. Okay. And Josh is saying, maybe he is, maybe he is, maybe he's not. Al saying we need to have a running game in order for Tannehill to be serviceable. Josh is saying, I agree, but we've got that running game. Al is saying, well, maybe, maybe we do. Maybe we don't. I want to go to the other, because I, we could have a whole show and we've had whole shows on whether or not Ryan Tannehill is the answer. And that's really not what I want this focus to be on. That's just a small part of the conversation. What I want to focus on is Al says, this is going to be a four and 12 team, a five and 11 team. If, if Kenny stills is their best receiver, a three and 13 team. That's not because of Ryan Tannehill. That's because of, in his own words, in your own words, Al, you said he is not their most, uh, not their most pressing concern, basically. So what are those concerns that would lead you to believe that this team is a five and 11 team or worse? All right. Well, I look at when we go into a season, I look at question marks on where do we have question marks? And a lot of the good teams can override question marks about certain positions and then it just see and what we're hoping for from rookies who we've never seen play before so i would look at the receivers and the tight ends and say "Uh, i don't know gasecki may be good he might but i don't know i've never seen him play he's looked terrible in run blocking but maybe they're trying to work on that with them i look at their receiving core and like you said kenny stills is their best receiver now we got a running back core that i think is all right and that you know i I actually like Kenyon Drake. I don't think he's that bad, but I don't know if he's an elite running back. I look at our O line. I see a bunch of question marks there. I'm not, you know, we have Laramie Tunsil, who I was very high on and glad we drafted, but frankly, he hasn't looked like a franchise left tackle since we drafted him. We got Jawan James on the right side, who's, I guess he's all right. He's not particularly good, I think, but I don't know. Uh, I don't know who our center is. I know we lost Pouncey, who was a pro bowler, even though I didn't feel he was worth his contract. And, it's even, and I know we picked up, I believe, a guard. What was the name of the guard we got? Sitton is the guard. Sitton is the guard. Jake Brendel is going to be the starting center. I, I thought Kilgore or was Kilgore. the starting Yeah, Kilgore is supposed to be the starter. That's right. I, I, he, was, he, had a very, he had himself a bad game the other day. All right, so it looks like we have question marks on the O-line because even though I really like Tunsil, I don't know about him. He doesn't look like a, like a, like a franchise left tackle. So hopefully he'll be solid, 
But, I mean, we don't know. We don't, I mean, we kind of know that Jawan James isn't particularly good. And, you know, we got the interior. I guess we have a, we got a new guard that's good, but uh, we lost Pouncey, and uh, we guess we have question marks on the O-line. We still, I mean, until Gusecki does something that I've, I mean, he hasn't really done anything so far this preseason, and I'll reserve judgment on the tight ends, but it's still a question mark. Our receivers are Stills, Amendola, Albert Wilson. We seem like we got a bunch of slot receivers, and I guess Stills is a deep threat. And Devontae Parker, who I guess uh, we're not going to be seeing for a while. So he can you can pretty much write him off as a bust to me. So we have question marks there. Then we go to the defensive side of the ball. Our, def- our interior D-line is a bunch of question marks. I guess Robert Quinn would look really good, which is great. That's fantastic. But let's not pretend he was also a question mark coming into this year because he hasn't been particularly good the last couple of years. Our linebackers look like a disaster right now. I don't know. I, I, I was I'm very disappointed in uh, McMillan after hearing how great he was last offseason, and he looks like our worst linebacker right now. And we already know what Kiko Alonso is. And then we go to our secondary where Xavier Howard looks really good, Rashad Jones is a solid starter, and uh, I don't know what else we got back there. McDonald. I think is the other safety. T.J. McDonald and, uh, and, other... and Minka Fitzpatrick are your other are your other safeties. Ugh. The question really uh, is: uh, it's not so much the question at safety. The question is the other cornerback position, um, where Cordrea Tankersley, who was you know the sort of the great white hope for everybody um, coming into this preseason, and, and he has not looked particularly good. Tony Lippett has completely fallen off the face of the earth. Um, yeah, it's a bad situation when you look at that other quarterback. I hear your concerns, Al. I hear all of the concerns. Everything that you've mentioned are things that we have mentioned on this show, which are things, which are issues that the Dolphins have. They are question marks, and they are areas of concern for this team going forward. I agree with you. I agree with you that there are areas of concern. Where I don't agree with you, and where I don't agree with all of Dolphins Twitter flying off the handle, is jumping to conclusions about things after two weeks of preseason football, especially given that in those two weeks, there are certain things that have looked good in fits and starts there. I mean, the thing, the thing that is, I guess, frustrating for you. And I, and I understand it's frustrating for me too, is that the things that have looked good about the dolphins have been individual things and it hasn't resulted in fantastic team performances, great all around team performances. But again, we're two weeks into the preseason. There's, We've still got week three of the preseason, which is uh, against the Ravens, which is going to be the closest thing that we see in the preseason to an actual NFL game. And I think we're going to be able to make a little bit better of a judgment there. But even still, um, and I've said it on this show before, one of the things that always um, disappoints me about NFL fans is that they're so quick to fly off the handle in reaction to very small sample sizes. And I think even if, even if the Dolphins come out uh, in week one and, I mean, listen, and I'll be the first to say it, even if they come out in week one and all of those areas of concern are the things that cost us the game in week one, we're looking at a serious problem. It's really bad. 
and let's see how this team addresses it going forward. And if you know, and so let's see if that's something that they can do. And that's especially what I'm saying now in the preseason because they still have two more weeks of preseason to go. And when you listen to the things that Adam Gase is saying, he's keeping a very level head about things, and he's saying, "Well, right now I'm okay. I'm okay with the progress of Raekwon McMillan. This is okay. This is a little bit concerning, but we're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it." And I think that's the thing that we need to keep in mind as we go through this preseason. I, and trust me, I get it. I'm a Dolphin fan. I've been a Dolphin fan my entire life. I am sick and tired of mediocre football from the Miami Dolphins. I'm sick and tired of it. But this is the preseason, so I don't want to jump to conclusions, even though, admittedly, when there are problems in areas that have been areas of concern, the first thing you go is, mm, that's problematic. It's problematic, but I don't think we should jump to those conclusions yet. I think we should wait. Let's see how the preseason plays out first, and then let's see how the first few weeks of the season go when Adam Gase starts to dig into his bag of tricks, because I think one thing that is sort of underrated is the time that these guys have had now on this Dolphins offense have had like Tannehill in this offensive line has had playing as a unit and playing together in the Gase offense. I think that might end up being something that is particularly beneficial as we get into the regular season and we start to see a little bit of offensive creativity. Um, I'm not. What if I said this to you? What if I said this to you? What if in the, based on everything that the preseason is just reinforcing my belief from the off season. And it's not just mine. It's Las Vegas. They have the dolphins. I think right now is the second or third lowest for win totals in the NFL. They're tied with the jets. The preseason magazines I've been reading have them in the bottom five and just about every power ranking that I've seen. And, you know, we came off an off season where we lost our best players. If it's the preseason's just reinforcing it just reinforces my belief that this was not a good team coming into the season, and everything I've seen doesn't indicate to me that any – it just seems to show me that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, this isn't just from the preseason. It's from everything that went on in the offseason. It's from the draft, and, you know, I mean, we lost so many different players. that were, How many pro bowlers did we lose this offseason? Three? Sue, uh, Landry, Sue, and – Landry uh, and Pouncey. Um, all three have Pro Bowls to their name. Two of them Pro Bowlers last season. All right. Well, who's the best player left on the team? I would say. I would say on the offensive side of the ball, uh, I would say you. It <laughs> uh, <and laughs> probably goes to prove your point. I would say honestly, on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you'd probably have a debate. Between whether it's uh, Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, or Josh Sitton, the left guard it's, that they just brought in. Yeah, it's, yeah, probably Sitton, I would think. And on the defensive yeah. side, I'm thinking Rashad Jones. And if Xavier Howard well, stops I, his play, then maybe him. I don't know. Yeah, maybe Cam Wake. Yeah, still Cam Wake? I, I mean, he's still an. Uh, an elite Listen, pass I think elite, looking at but looking at this team, I think as we get a couple weeks into the season, uh, you're going to see that Xavier Howard is probably the number one guy on this defense right now. He's so, he's turning into a legitimate superstar at cornerback. All right, so so look, I, I think that Al has addressed. You know, look, he 
he he's made good points. There's a lot of questions on this team on on both sides of the ball. And when you look at the national perception, the majority of us, you know, between you and I, Josh, even Al, um, and just about everybody listening, you're listening to this podcast. To this podcast, you're a Dolphins fan, so you tend to see things through that lens of you want this team to to be good. You want to be optimistic about this team, even if everything that you've seen over the course of your life, or at least over the past twenty years, depending on how old you are, uh, you know, shows you that it probably won't be. You know, it, when you when you cite you know, national publications, when you cite Las Vegas, it shows you the national perception of this team is closer to what Al is saying, which is this is a five win team, possibly worse. It's it's one of the five worst teams in the league. He's made his good points. We've had some some counterpoints. Let's let's see how this thing plays out. Let's get Al on the show maybe every week or maybe, you know, every every few weeks and uh you know, let's see. Let's see what happens. I I will say this, and uh, and then we'll we'll give it to Al for his last word. But I, I, I'll say this: if everything that you've read in the preseason and everything that you have seen in this preseason reinforces your belief that this is a team that is you're looking at, and it's a team that's going to end up with a top five pick, then accept that as the reality for this team, and base your observations of this team. From that expectation and look at it, I would say to look at this team as this is a team that's in a bad situation right now with that as with that as the idea, accept that and let's see how this team does and find your positives and negatives based off of that. There's no point flying off the handle uh, because you don't like such and such offensive linemen or such and such defensive line problem because if you've accepted that that's the baseline and that's what you're ex- that's what you're expecting from this team then base your enjoyment of the season off of that like you you would know okay if this team wins more than 4 or 5 games then terrific and then you know get pissed off when they somehow manage to win 7 games and end up with a much lower draft pick because that's sort of the <laughs> same old dolphins thing to do but you know if that is what if that's if that's your thing it's reinforcing your beliefs Fine. Terrific. I'm not ready to make any kind of decisions about this team until I see them in-game action because I'm not being paid to write for any kind of publication. I'm not being paid to come up with predictions of where this team is going to end up. Are we going to do a prediction show in a couple of weeks? Yes, we are going to do that. We're going to come up with our thoughts for the season and figure out where we think this team is going to end up. But if that's your idea and that's where you've arrived with this team, then fine. Let that be your expectation and wait until something proves you wrong otherwise to get upset. That's what I'm going to say. Al, I'll give it to you to give us your last thoughts before we say goodbye. All right. Uh, my last thoughts are that you know, I can enjoy watching the team knowing that my expectation is that they're going to be one of the worst things in, uh, teams in the league. So my expectation is, is to watch this and find some and hoping that we get something out of some of the young people, the young guys we drafted. I'm hoping Minka Fitzpatrick will be something. I like where I, I, I'm just looking for young pieces for the future and to hopefully build at some point to go try and win a Super Bowl. 
and see what and to look at the pieces that we have. Maybe we got a steal in Quinn at the end. That would make me feel a lot better about their future, at least on the defensive side. And hoping that some of our young linebackers can maybe you know turn it around as the season goes on, or at least play better than they've looked in the preseason. Maybe we'll have somebody, you know, maybe we'll have another corner. Maybe some other corner will stand up. It's about, to me, it's just about, and it, this has been the problem with me for a few years now, is just watching this team and looking at pieces we need for to, uh, that I could see on a Super Bowl team, you know, elite players, Pro Bowl players that can be great, that can be part of a championship team, and just hoping that we can hold on to the, you know, few players we have that are like that. And this year, just hoping that a few emerge, at least for me, uh, that's pretty much where I'm at. I kind of think they're going to be, a, as I said before, they're not going to be very good. I don't really have any expect. I have very low expectations for them this year. And it is going to annoy me, inevitably, if they end up going and winning seven games and screwing themselves out of a better draft pick, missing the playoffs, and then just, you know, sitting in this no-man's land they've been in. I at least want them to get a team together and whatever they build next from this or whatever they're building towards, it can at least be a coherent team as well, like a coherent idea as to what they want to build as a team. Because we really haven't had that in a long time because we've been mixing and matching GMs and presidents and coaches for the last 10 years, really since we got rid of Sperano. And I really wish that as, we, as I look forward to the future, I want them to address that. And that's kind of also another thing I'm looking at this year. Is what are we building towards? Is there a coherent idea? And that's it. Thank you. Very good. Angry Al from Port St. Lu- Port St. Lucie. Thank you so much for joining us on the show this week. And uh, I, I I wish you low not low blood pressure. I guess regular blood pressure. I guess is what I really want to wish you. Um, but I hope everything is calm and cool and collected. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Uh, until we talk to you again next time here on the show. Thanks for joining us, Al. Well, Brain, that was uh, that was angry Al from Port St. Lucie. What'd you what'd you think of what Al had to say there? I, I know that I sort of injected myself into that and sort of played. I don't even want to say devil's advocate, but I was playing sort of more level headed. You know, positive outlook guy, it's, like I it's normally okay. do. It's look, it, it's okay. That that's what you think. You're you're a positive guy. You're it's it's August. You're trying to be excited about this dolphin season. You're trying to look at the positives, and you're looking for reasons to not be distraught. And that's fine. I do the same thing. What I would say is, I I tend to be between the two of you. Um, you know, somewhere in the middle. I. I'm not super optimistic about this team. I do believe that there is a ceiling on this team. And I do believe that there are things on this team. There are reasons on this team to be excited. And the question marks are that reason. And because there are question marks that could go either way, I feel more so than we have had in the years past. Whereas in years past, we've just kind of known, you know, this is going to be an area that's a concern. And there's really not a lot of hope. I feel like now we have some youth at some spots. But by the same token, you know, it could also go the other way because you had some veterans that even though they weren't great, they were veterans. And now you're relying on young players. I think specifically when you're looking at the linebacker position and you say, well, you know, the last year we were, we had 
Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons and the linebacking core was was an was an issue. Uh, we still got Kiko Alonso, but now we have Raekwon McMillan. We've got Jerome Baker. And so we feel good because we've got the young players in there. We've got the new hotness. We don't know. We want to like it because they the Dolphins used high draft picks on these guys. And they're putting them into the starting position. They're putting them into positions where you expect them to be good. But, you know, I agree with Al. You, you haven't seen it. And... If you haven't seen it, what do you have to go off of? All you have to go off of is preseason. So you could do one of three things. You could you could completely ignore the preseason and stick to uh, an optimistic bias that the team is telling you that these guys are good. Therefore, I believe these guys are going to be good. Or you could give them excuses and say, well, it's their first preseason game. I'm not really worried. You know, we'll just let this play out. Or you could just say, look, I'm not saying they're going to be good or bad, but the only thing I've seen is them being bad. So I'm rightfully concerned. And I think that that's what Al is saying, is that he's saying, look, we don't know if these linebackers are any good because we've never seen them play an NFL regular season down. So instead of thinking they're going to be good just because we want them to be good, how about we look at the small, the granted small sample size preseason, maybe it's meaningless football that we've seen and evaluate that for what it is. And granted, small sample size may be meaningless, but it's bad. It's, it's not yes, good. I, 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 and that's my, th- listen, I, I, we could go down this road all night. That's what I'm saying. It's it's too early. A rookie, a rookie yeah. linebacker, and and what is for all intents and purposes a rookie linebacker. I'm I'm talking specifically about Baker and McMillan right now. Yes, what we've seen from them has been well. I mean, what was imp- Baker was pretty impressive in week one, but what we've seen from McMillan has not been good. What we've seen from the linebacker core in general has not been good. But the time to m- jump to that conclusion is not. In the second week of the preseason, yes, based on all available evidence, that's bad. It's okay to be concerned. It's okay to be a little bit worried about it. It's not okay to make the conclusion that this linebacking core is no good. Because even if the and, and I said this last year, I said even if they come out and they look terrible for the first four weeks of the season, that doesn't mean that they're not going to turn it around later. But why does it have to be a conclusion? And why can't it just be, this is what I think at this given moment? Based on what I've seen, based on what we've seen from the team in the past, based on the moves that they made in the offseason, based on the way these guys were projected at the draft, and based on what we've heard and seen now in training camp and the preseason, why can't we just say, look, nobody, look, he, is he saying, yes, I think this team is going to be bad. It's 5-11. and 11. But, it, but at the same time, did he say, like, you know, there's no way this team wins eight games? He just said, I think this team is going to be bad. They look bad. And should we, are we being, if you're an optimistic Dolphin fan and you're getting upset at people saying the team looks bad, well, maybe that's a you problem <laughs> because the team doesn't look good. There's nothing that, I, I, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and you're say right, that the I team think the team, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to sit here and say that the team looks like they're going to go 4-12, because I don't think they're that bad. But 
I'm also going to say I think they're closer to 4-12 and 12 than being a playoff team. Sure, based on the evidence available. But again, right. the, but that, again, again, NFL preseason, the NFL preseason is not the place to be making judgment calls or making big picture decisions or judgments about a team. Have the Dolphins but isn't look good? That why, the, why do a preseason show? You've got to evaluate. You have to have yes, an opinion. Yes, yes, yes. And you yes. have to formulate it based on the I think, quote unquote available evidence. And at here's this what point, I'm going to say. At this juncture, the available evidence just happens to be the preseason. So look, maybe it's overreaction radio, but look, that's what the preseason is. And you've got to have a reaction. And right now, the reaction is, I believe, to be more warranted. To be negative than it is to be positive. Fair enough. Fair enough. But I I also am combining this with, you know, what I saw on Twitter on Friday evening, which was people that were basically ready to throw themselves off of a bridge because of a couple of bad preseason games. And I just don't know that that's where I'm at yet. And I'm taking the approach of, I guess it's okay that there are fans that are freaking out and being in an uproar. I suppose that's fine. That's what fans are supposed to do. But as long as the team is taking a level-headed approach and they're moving forward, they're doing the best that they can with what they've got, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. So uh, I'm, 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 as always, I'm very interested in seeing how things develop. So I kind of want to, I kind of want to leave it at that as far as what Al had to say. We do have a couple of um, quick Twitter and Facebook questions that we need to address real quick, I think, before we wrap up for this week, Brain. Um, and and the first one comes from our friend uh, at Dolphins End Zone. And uh, this was actually a question that Al asked us uh, on Twitter as well, which is how long until Gase is fired? And I think my, my answer to that question is pretty pretty standard. I think... Some people are prepared to say if the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, Gase needs to be fired, and I don't think that is the case. Especially don't think that's the case if you're looking at what we have right now and you're saying that this is, looks like a 5-11 and 11 team at best. Um, I don't know how, you know, it, I feel like personally making the playoffs should not be the thing that determines whether or not Adam Gase is here next season. Because if I think, I think if this team has some really good moments and ends up falling just short, finishes, let's say, 9-7 and seven and just misses out on the playoffs, where this team is right now, I think that gives them a lot to build on going into next season. I think that would be, while it would be certainly be frustrating that the Dolphins don't make the playoffs, um, and, you know, they would be out just outside of the playoffs, they wouldn't have a particularly high draft pick, it would still say this is a team that is building, that is moving forward, and is getting closer. Um, and if the team wins nine games, you have to think probably Ryan Tannehill has had a pretty good season if they're getting to nine and seven. Um, now, on the other hand, I think if you've got this team that is, let's say they finish one and 15 or two and 14, and they're cursed all season long with the exact same problems that they had last season, pre-snap penalties, undisciplined penalties, um, just tight ends running rampant on us all over the place. And the team doesn't do anything sort of internally to address those issues by the end of the season. 
then I think there may be cause to send Adam Gase on his way at the end of the season. He's certainly on a hot seat. You, you have to assume he's on a hot seat, particularly, I think, if Ryan Tannehill, if Ryan Tannehill doesn't have a good season, there's a lot riding on that because let's, you know, let's be real. They put, they put all of their chips in the middle of the table on Ryan, with Ryan Tannehill in this offseason when they had more than ample opportunity to make moves, to trade up, to, to draft a QB, to pick up a free agent quarterback. They had plenty of opportunities to do that, and they didn't. Um, they, put all, they went all in with Ryan Tannehill. So I think that's sort of my answer with Adam Gase. I think Adam Gase is the head coach of this team next season unless this team absolutely crashes and burns all season long. Yeah, and I believe I actually answered that on Twitter. Uh, and my response on Twitter is the same response that I'm going to give right now, which is I think it's 50-50. Uh, I, I agree with everything that you said about um, just because they don't make – just if they don't make the playoffs, that doesn't necessarily mean that Adam Gase gets fired. I think that when it comes to Adam Gase's job, I think the number one thing that – we need to look at is the offense. Uh, He has weeded out the guys that he likes and doesn't like. He's gotten rid of talented players in Jay Ajayi, in Jarvis Landry, in Mike Pouncey. He has gotten got He's brought guys in that can run the offense that he wants to run. No huddle offense, versatile, pass catching running backs from the time he took the job he has been high on Ryan Tannehill and we have made no effort to go out and get any other quarterback because he has been sold on Ryan Tannehill we've gone out and we've gotten him you know last year it was Julius Thomas because he had worked with Julius Thomas that didn't work out so they went out and they drafted you know the best pass catching tight end in the draft in Mike Gusecki because that's the guy that Adam Gase wanted. So, and then they went out and they got receivers uh, to replace Jarvis Landry in Amendola and Albert Wilson. These are the guys that Adam Gase wanted. He's got his players now. If the offense is not above average, that is an indictment on Adam Gase because he was he was brought in here as this quote-unquote, offensive genius, quote-unquote, quarterback guru that, you know, worked his magic and had, you know, got the best season of Jay Cutler's career out of Jay Cutler. He he got uh, Peyton Manning after, uh, you know, his neck surgery, and he got the, the most efficient year, the best year of Peyton Manning's career, you know, based on the offense that he ran and working with, those quarterbacks. So that's his pedigree. And in the first two years here, the offense has been below average. So if the offense is still below average or even average, now that we've got all of his guys and it's been nothing but positivity coming out from him, then I don't know what the hell he's doing, but it's not working. Now I could see a situation uh, where it plays out where the Dolphins end up going 6-10, and ten, but the offense ends up being really pretty good, but the defense is bad. 
And then I think you may have a situation where you say, okay, well, let's look at the defensive coordinator and let's question what we're doing on that side of the ball. And let's not necessarily get rid of Adam Gase if he's come in and he's got the offense on the right track and he's got Tannehill on the right track it might just be worth it for us to go get an upgraded defensive coordinator and continue to address that side of the ball and let Adam Gase continue to let the offensive side of the ball progress Uh, I could definitely see that happening Um, the one thing that cannot happen or the second thing that cannot happen, other than the offense being below average, they cannot go 6-10 and ten and have it be because they continue to look undisciplined and have all these issues with lack of leadership. And, you know, Adam Gase is throwing a new guy under the bus every couple of weeks because they're, quote-unquote, not putting in the work because you're in year three, part of your job, you know, they say, you know, the coach can't necessarily do it unless the players buy in, but the great coaches get the players to buy in. And if you've been here for three years and the players are still not buying in, they probably will never buy in. And that is probably a coaching problem more than it is a player problem. So those are the two things that I'm looking at. Um, I'm looking at, the offensive side of the ball and discipline and leadership. If they improve in those two areas and they're at least a decent competitive team, then I could see Adam Gase keeping his job. Even if this team finishes below 500. Very good. Another question on Twitter. This comes from at Hector Zazueta H. Uh, he says he's trying to decide if he should pay for NFL Game Pass. I think he's, uh, I, I believe he's from outside of the outside of the United States. He says I love this sport because of Shula and Marino, but this new team coach and owner and no heart players make me feel it is bad, wasted money. What do you think? Um, I I I have to say I think I totally understand falling in love with this team's glorious past. Um, that is that has been a problem for this team since the post Marino era. Is that um, we are now a team um, that the nostalgia factor is stronger than the love of the current team. Like when you when you talk to people who are fans of the Miami Dolphins, you, the, more often than not, you hear about the nostalgia. Um, aspect of it before you hear about how excited and fired up they are about the current team. I, I get that, um, but I think it's it's I think it's a little bit hard, uh, a little bit hard on this team to say that these are um, no heart players and and things like that. I, I feel like that's maybe a little bit harsh on the team. My, the bottom line is, at the end of the day, I say you if you're a Miami Dolphin fan and you and you love the Miami Dolphins. Then you need to put out that money to to support your your team and to support the the organization. I'm a Dolphin fan. Uh, I no longer live in South Florida. I'm a native South Floridian. I no longer live there. Every year I purchase NFL Sunday ticket. Even this year when they jacked up the price. Although I will say I successfully negotiated with Directv to get my price down about fifty percent, which is pretty fantastic. But um, every year I put out the money for Sunday ticket because I I need to watch my Dolphins, and that's just that's just all there is to it. So, I mean, uh, whether it's whether it's the glory days 
um, and this team is, you know, we're fired up and we think we have a legit Super Bowl chance, or if we're looking at a team that might only win one or two games this season, um, at the end of the day, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, I'm going to put my, my dollars down and watch every single game because I I love the team and I can't help it. That's what I'm going to do. So Hector, I I say do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you how to spend your money. What I'm going to say is, look, you're a fan of the team. You're either going to be a fan of the team or you're not going to be a fan of the team. If you're a fan of the team, you got to watch the games. If you don't want to be a fan of the team, I get it. Don't be a fan of the team. But if you're going to be a fan of the team, there's only one way to be a fan of the team. You got to watch the games. However you choose to do that, if look, if it's too expensive to get an NFL Sunday ticket, totally get it. You got to figure out another way. You know, uh, you know, there are there are ways. That's what I will leave it at. There not that we would condone that sort of thing. <laughs> well, I'm not saying what we are condoning or not condoning. All I will say is there are ways to watch the game. Um, you, maybe you could you could find a buddy. Maybe you could go half seas with a buddy, and and you know you they get it on their TV or you get it on on your TV and you watch it together maybe you get it with a you know a few buddies maybe you go to to your local cantina you know you have a couple of beers every week and you you drown your sorrows that way uh however you want to do it the bottom line is if you're going to be a fan of the team you got to watch the games Absolutely. I, I support that answer 100%. Uh, a couple more questions here before we go. Um, this one is a really interesting one. I thought um, Chris Zyg asked us on Facebook, um, when are you trading for Teddy B, Teddy Bridgewater? Um, and this is really interesting because as we mentioned in our recap of the Carolina game earlier, um, the backup quarterback situation for this team is just completely up in the air right now. Neither Fails nor Osweiler have looked particularly good at all in-game. Um, you know, and as we've said before, we think Bryce Petty is the best-looking of the bunch in backup quarterback land. So I think if that is the case, maybe, you know, maybe this is a situation that maybe the Dolphins might take a look at Teddy Bridgewater if it's clear that the Jets don't want him. Although, quite frankly, I think if the Dolphins are looking to make a trade, there's some other positions that they're going to probably want to address first before backup quarterback. I think it's a situation where if Ryan Tannehill gets hurt again, they might make a trade just because I don't know that they're ready to put any of those three guys in to actually captain the ship. But what do you think of this? What do you think of the idea about possibly trading for Teddy Bridgewater? I didn't think it was a serious question. Um, there, there should be no interest currently for the Dolphins in trading for Teddy Bridgewater because you'd be trading for a backup quarterback, which is just not something that you do. <laughs> it is just not something that you do. The only way that I could see this team trading for Teddy Bridgewater or any quarterback that a team is putting on the trade block would be if the if you know I I guess if there was an injury in the preseason or an injury at some point before the trade deadline and the Dolphins appeared to be potentially a playoff team and they looked at it and they said well, we've got all of our chips on this being a playoff team. Let's bring bring in a quarterback to try to to try to get us there. 
even if that was the case, I would hate the move. Because if you believe that this team could be a playoff team, um, and you believe that Teddy Bridgewater is on par with Ryan Tannehill, which is to say, you know, in your most optimistic view of things that he's an above average quarterback, maybe, or an average quarterback. I mean, what are you getting? What are you giving up? And is it worth it? Because you, you'd have to give up a draft pick. And if it's a situation where the Jets are trading him because they don't want him, well, then let the Jets freaking release the guy. And then if you want him bad enough, you go and you sign him to be to be your backup quarterback. I just it, there there is no sense in trading for Teddy Bridgewater, who won his best. The best we've seen from Teddy Bridgewater was being essentially Ryan Tannehill three years ago. <laughs> and and two. He can't if he can't even make the Jets quarterback situation. I mean, we we literally have the Jets backup quarterback from last season. That's true. That is a good point. <laughs> we that literally have the Jets quarterback backup court. Do we want to go into this season with the last two Jets backup quarterbacks? Yeah, that's it, 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 fair enough. No fair reason enough. to. I, I could see it happening. So you're not, you're not interested. In in, but there's literally, there's no situation where that is a good idea. It's a hard pass from Aaron the Brain. Finally, our last question, also on Facebook, comes from Craig Clifton, and I think it's the great question to sort of wrap up this episode of the show on, are these the same old Dolphins? It's a pretty good throwback to, to, to Al. You know my answer. My answer is it's too soon to make that conclusion. I will say this. Nothing that I have seen thus far in the preseason has led me to believe that these are not the same old Dolphins. Yeah, you could you could give your, uh, you know, I'm saving it until I've got more evidence. I, I choose to just say, well, let's call it for what it is at the given moment based on the available evidence. Yes, these are the same old Dolphins. And I want to I want to clarify what I mean that these are not the same old dolphins because they're not going to be a playoff team these are the same old dolphins because they're not going to be four and 12 they're going to find a way to be to win six to eight games and and remain relevantly irrelevant so to speak fair enough Fair enough. All right. Well, Brain, that I think is going to wrap us up for this episode of the same old Dolphin Show. We'll be back again next week with thoughts um, after the game against Baltimore. That's going to be our, our best look at what this team is going to look like heading into the regular season, I think. Um, so we're, maybe we'll be ready to make some more conclusions at that point. But in the meantime, can you tell the people where they can find you? Of course. You can find me on Twitter, at Aaron the Brain. And you can follow me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You should also be following the show at Same Old Dolphins. 
Uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, again, download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on SoundCloud, and we'll put out a direct RSS link that you can put directly into your downcast or whatever uh, podcatching app you are using. So, uh, and of course, I'll throw in another plug as well for our Facebook page, facebook.com slash same old dolphins. Join us over there and, and join the conversation as we discuss our beloved Miami Dolphins day in and day out over on the same old dolphins Facebook page. Thanks for joining us again this week, everybody. Have a wonderful week, and we'll talk to you next time after the Dolphins take on the Ravens. Bye bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest of all teams. We take the ball from the